You are listening to This Week in Guitar, where we discuss the latest and greatest guitar videos on the net. Brought to you by GuitarApp.com. Hey, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, I think. Are we starting like, hold on a sec, how, are we starting? That's exactly the way we, we have started. We're not restarting. Oh, God. That's how we've started the show. Okay, it's, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing very good. We we play the cards as they're dealt. Okay. okay. I've I've been watching a couple of things on YouTube this week. Uh I know you have too. So hit me. What's the what's the first thing that caught your eye on YouTube this week? Well, I know Nam is going on. There's loads of stuff there. There's a few YouTubers that aren't there actually. Uh, surprisingly, um Andertons didn't go this year, which is insane, but uh, Rotom Sivan, he's one of the jazzers. He went to Nam and he's talked to all the YouTubers. He went to Paul Davids, Jens Larsen, Samurai guitarist, Mike Cole, and he asked them to come up with an emotional exercise that helps you connect with music through guitar. Did you watch each of the responses? What's the takeaway here? Uh, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting question to pose to guitar players. Like, you could see the different types of guitar players and the answers. Like he also asked, asked another question, um, technical exercises, which didn't interest me as much, but the responses to the emotional, uh, guitar playing is pretty interesting. Singing what you play, being able to like recognize what note you're playing in a chord. Uh, I think Jens Larson was saying play rubato, like, which means free time. You just play anything and don't have any pressure uh, on yourself to like hit the next chord you're just meandering along and then you'll hit upon a note and then you might stumble upon a chord that way and you fall in and out of all these different things harmonically and uh, you're just kind of discovering as you go and if you sing as you go you'll be internalizing all the notes and uh, it seems like a, that's how I kind of met, how I do it on the piano anyway I've started playing a bit of piano I just hit a note and let my right hand wander and then it'll stumble upon something which will trigger another thought and then you kind of end up discovering all these things it's great that reminds me of a thing frank zappa used to say it wasn't related to just writing music or you know playing music on his own but it was more when he was playing live and during the improvised sections of music he he recorded everything, but he had this concept he called zenchronicity. I'm probably butchering it, but he described it as that rare moment when during an improvisation, everybody is playing just the right note. And it kind of just, it opens up this section from the heavens. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he used to go back and listen to the live recordings that particularly the improvised sections looking for these specific parts of zenchronicity and they would often then form the basis of a new song so i i think the likes of black napkins started off as maybe a solo in another song and then bits of it that were particularly fortuitous he worked into a new song but it, it reminds me of what you're you're talking about there i think you told me before maybe from your jazz training did you tell me that they used to teach like that, that they used to say the way to break out of the, you know, the pentatonic box or the muscle memory box was to let your vocal melody dictate where the solo would go than to let your muscle memory dictate where the solo would go? 
Yeah, there's a lot of emphasis on on ear training and following your ear as opposed to the, the instrument. But you just reminded me of uh, Paul Gilbert's technique. He got so sick of playing the same melodies on guitar, like falling into the same shapes. He started writing all his melodies on kazoo. That's a really good idea. I'm I'm the worst stuck in a box kind of guy, and I really struggle to try and play through chord changes and things like that. No matter how many hacks I learn from Jens Larsen, um, the things I do notice is in the rare occasions where I'm recording music, and I might not even be the guitar player; I might be the bass player, and you're listening to what the guitar player has just tracked down, and then you hear an overdub that isn't in the music. It might just be mm. harmonics from the amp and they'll, they'll kind of create this melody of their own. And in your mind, you're going, oh my God, we have to do that as an overdub. And you might do it as a vocal or you might do it as a keyboard, but you know those notes have to go in there somewhere as an overdub. I always hear those things more when I don't have a guitar in my hand than when I do have a guitar in my hand. If I have a guitar in my hand, my hands just want to take over and do the only thing they know, which is pentatonic shapes. So sometimes it actually, it, it pays to take the guitar out of your hands and maybe, like you said, do it on a gazoo or even just hum it or some other method. But yeah, I mean, that sounds like great advice. That's uh, hearing the overtones in the music. That's how Devin Townsend composes. He recorded a whole album called The Puzzle. It's like an experimental album. It's actually mad strange, but... He jammed over a drone for an hour in one take. He used to like looping in the background while he was doing things. And he kept on hearing like these little melodies and the overtones and just these little sonic nuggets. And then he'd record them. And then he started sending them off to all his friends and they'd start recording little pieces. And that's why it's called the puzzle, obviously. So these sounds emerged and uh, parts came in and it turned into this sonic monster. Uh, I can't really listen to it, he said. It went over most people's heads, but it's, it was an interesting approach. I was away this week, but there were a couple of things that uh, caught my eye. Um, and one of them reminded me of something that happened to me. The, the Casino Guitars guys, they did a video on scams. Uh, apparently scams are on the rise, guitar scams. Um, everything from in the comments, give, give away a guitar to other too good to be true offers. Um, and they, they kind of work through a few of the scams they've been aware of, but it reminds me of a scam that I was involved in years, a, a long time ago, actually. Did you ever hear about the Zach Wilde Epiphone Les Paul scam? No. So it, this was back in the days of, you know, pre Twitter internet. This, this is around 2005, 2006. And a couple of us in an office together, all guitar players, we all heard about this thing where a company, a motorbike company claimed that they were involved with Zach Wilde and Epiphone, whereby you could put money down now with your credit card and you would receive a little model of a motorbike, like a, you know, those custom choppers. I know nothing about motorbikes. I was only in it for the guitar and we heard about it on some form, but, uh, I dutifully punched in my credit card number, gave them my money and I received a little toy motorbike in the post, which I still have. Um, but I didn't receive any guitar in the post. 
there ended up being this like forum where all the people who were caught in the scam and anybody got their guitar yet, occasionally one or two mysterious people would go, oh yeah, my guitar came and then they would show pictures of their guitar. The guitars were real. They were like Epiphone, Zach Wild Customs and they were, they were cool. It was like the Bullseye one and the Buzzsaw one and the Camo one. So in the end, none of us, three of us in the office, none of us got the guitars, but we all, I think we all got the motorbikes. Whatever happened, it just didn't pan out and the guitars never transpired, but hundreds of people paid whatever it was, three, four hundred dollars for, for these guitars. I think it was pretense that it was going to, eventually they were going to come, but in the end they didn't. So that's the, yes. yeah, I mean, it's 17 years, they could, they could still come. But yeah, so scams alive and well today, uh, just as they were in yesteryear. What else have you got? Well, you got to get Rick Beato video in there. And Rick Beato seems to be in England at the moment. So last week he did a tour of Abbey Road. Did you see that? Oh, I saw the, I saw the thumbnail, but I haven't watched it. Is it good? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tour of Abbey Road with Rick Beato. It's amazing. Uh, the, the room is just big, massive box like it's there's nothing special about it it's just the history there but uh then he went on and did an interview with anderson's talking about his background it's great to see him talking about the guitar playing side because all, all his videos uh they're for I suppose uh, a multi-instrumentalist audience but to hear him actually go into his background about guitar he taught guitar for years he was a jazz guitar player and he moved into producing and he's still got the chops like i don't know if you've seen any of his shorts but uh, but then this week he's on the pedal show and he goes full into uh, guitar gear. It's a nerd out session about pedals, recording techniques. So like the Anderton's one is just all about him and his background, his YouTube channel and the growth there. Then this one is just a big nerd out session. It's great. And is the pedal guys one already released? Yeah, it's out there. Yeah. i got to see but that. It, just seeing him on the other side of an interview, like he's been on a tirade of interviews with all the jazz and rock legends. Steve Gadd, Butch Vig, Keith Jarrett, Pat Matini, then all the, the grunge people like Nirvana bass player, what's his name, Chris Novoselic and mm. Soundgarden and things like that. Rick could talk to, I think, anybody in the business, whether it's tech or whether it's kind of history of, or whether it's music theory or whether it's production. It, it doesn't really matter what corner of music it is. He's so knowledgeable about it all and so amicable he's just he's the kind of guy you'd want to have dinner with and well, that's it all, all these musicians seem to be coming to him like all the jazz legends i think are contacting him like keith jarrett doesn't give any interviews and then i think one of his relatives showed him a video of rick beato talking about uh him as a player and and earned his respect that way and then i think keith jarrett reached out to rick beato and and then Steve Gadd saw that video and so they're all coming to him and you get the, you get the impression by the end of the videos, they just are enjoying talking with him and they don't want to go, like especially the Steve Gadd one. I think Steve Gadd was having the time of his life. Yeah. I think, I think Rick is single-handedly responsible for introducing new generations to classic music from all the genres, not just rock and pop, yeah. uh, but jazz as well. I, I've definitely come across players from Rick videos that I didn't know before, like Michael Brecker is mm. one uh, example. And 
I, I saw like one video where Rick breaks down, uh, I can't remember what song it was. Is it called Trip to Bilbao or something like that? But uh, I just went down a rabbit hole and, and just nerded out on that stuff. And even kind of Herbie Hancock stuff that I hadn't heard before, I, I think he's he's really done a service to music appreciation, something that nobody else has managed to do in the last 10 years. Yeah, he's like the internet historian of rock music and jazz and film music even. He did a great Thomas Newman interview recently. I think he deserves a Grammy. I don't know if you can get a Grammy for that kind of stuff. But It's weird. It seems like there's a massive disconnect between that world and YouTube, even though the views, like I think he has 3 million subscribers now for someone just talking about music. It's it's incredible. Another video for me, Dan? Yeah, I just, uh, actually just today I was watching a video from Wampler, um, oh, wow. Wampler of Wampler Pedals. Uh, he had a wonderfully titled video. I think it was something to the effect of, is this the future of guitar tone? And you got to watch a video with a title like that. And uh, it was a really cool video. He was talking about a company called, uh, I don't even know if, if they're a company per se. It's an open source project called Guitar ML. It's a project, bunch of people. I'm trying to remember the name of the guy now. Is it Keith? Lober or something to that effect. We can sure we can put the the links in in the description. But they implemented a bunch of techniques from research papers from Alato University in Finland, which allow you to the tone of pretty much any signal chain, whether it's pedal plus amp or amp alone, with a relatively easy process. But it's all open source and it's all free. And then there's a huge big tone library as well. So the company uh, or the, the website, I think is guitarml.com. Let me just double check that because it's definitely worth going oh. to. Uh, yeah, guitarml.com. Uh, and Keith Blomer is the, the name of the guy who came up with this. Uh, well, who I suppose gave it to the world. The, the research was originally done in Finland. But it seems like. Kind of, you know, if, if you think about the arc of amp modeling uh, way back when we had the Line 6 stuff and then we had all the copycats. I think Roland even had some amp modeling pretty early on as well. And we had like the, the Behringer stuff, the, the V-Amp, which I'm a big fan of actually, the V-Amp Pro. And then it, it kind of went into the fractal audio era and how we have the neural DSP stuff and Kemper as well. Kempers obviously are quite pricey, but they're great at what they do. And then all the way to the neural DSP stuff where you can get absolutely amazing plugins. I know you're a big fan of the Corey Wong plugin. Yeah. It's great to have one that's dedicated to clean guitar sounds. I think the market out there is all uh, metal and uh, which is great. Like there's so much there, but for clean stuff, the, I found the Corey Wong one is just feels like a I, 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 it took me a long time to get into the, the digital app recreations. I always felt there was something missing, but the Corey Wong one just feels like a, feels like you're in there with the room, you know. It might be worth checking this stuff out. The, the yeah. Brian gives in this video, Brian gives a few examples of tone captures he's done. Um, some of it's cleany kind of stuff and there's a lot of, you know, overdrive, uh, kind of 
sounds as well. He takes you through the process of how to download their plugin and their uh, test signals, how to set up your DAW, how to set up your recording hardware in order to capture your own tone prints. So it's basically like a, an open source Kemper in software form. And then with the tone library as well, I guess you don't even have to capture your own tones. You can just download their plugin and load in the tone library. But the point he makes is that right now the process is still a little bit clunky. You actually need to use Google Colabs, which is the interface onto their massive cloud computing network for training machine learning models. But the instructions are all there, so anyone could do it if you kind of take the time. But I just thought it was amazing that we're kind of at that stage now where literally any tone you care to model doesn't require $3,000 equipment anymore. So are we at the stage where, where we can model a tone that is part of a mix or do we need the isolated track? I, mean, I would say that you would still need the isolated track, but even if you have the isolated track, I'm not sure that there are even that many solutions that go just from the isolated track to giving you the tone. I think there are some that get close if it hasn't already happened. I'm sure it'll be happening soon enough. Oh, yeah. Because the track isolation stuff is already getting really, really impressive. It it just took off in 2018 when Deezer released uh, an open source model to do track isolation. It's mm -hmm. really good on vocals, not as good on other instruments, but it's only a matter of time. Yeah, so that was the Brian Wampler video. Anything else on your end? There was one interesting one. You know, Bradley Hall, do you know that guy? He's a character with... You can tell the amount of work that goes into the uh, videos behind the character. Like it's, it's a, it's a, um, yeah, there's an irreverence about all these videos or, f uh, from the perspective of, of his delivery, but, uh, the actual content is, is seamlessly done. But anyway, uh, the video is about, you know, the new Metallica songs. Have you been checking those out? I saw the first two that had videos. There's been a lot of critique about the solos on the, the tracks. Obviously, any big release is going to get criticized. But he did a video a while ago uh, with some great clickbait title saying like what the guitar solo should sound like or something like that. And he uh, made a video and he created this really incredible, technically uh, amazing guitar solo. And what uh, word came back to him about an article in one of the guitar magazines where Kirk Hammett, the guitar player, actually got wind of, of all this criticism and I think referenced his video and uh, kind of went on this tirade like, oh man, anyone can practice sweep arpeggios and seven note groupings and throw them together and create a guitar solo. But if you want to play properly, you just go off the cuff and play with some feel. And he was kind of addressing that through his character, but also kind of getting a bit nuanced and the character breaks a bit and you see the, the, the real Bradley, uh, making some great points about, uh, the difference between a emotional solo and someone just laying into the pentatonic box with, uh, licks that could be copied and pasted over any song. I got to uh, check that video out. It yeah. Like... It's, it's, it's just kind of an interesting back and forth happening. Uh, always entertaining. I, I think we're going to put the links to all these videos in the description um, and anything else we've been talking about. So Definitely. you you mentioned clickbait there. Uh, we're a huge fan of 
clickbait between you and I, we, we've often engineered some clickbait YouTube thumbnails just for fun. So we're going to do a segment called thumbnail of the week. Who have you nominated for thumbnail of the week? I have nominated Davey 504 for thumbnail of the week. He's pretty classic. What's, what's his thumbnail? I I haven't seen this. It's simple. A lot of the thumbnails I'm seeing, they don't even use text anymore. It's just an image. And the lack of the text even just makes it more intriguing what's going on. But it's pretty clear what he's up to in this one. I don't know if you, you're staying on top of the the Mario uh, movie, which has taken over the world at the moment. I have not seen it. <laughs> yeah. It's basically the biggest thing in the cinema right now. Uh, I knew it would fly right over your head. But uh, Jack Black is playing Bowser. It's an animated um, movie anyway. And Jack Black is playing Bowser's voice. And he released a song, uh, a love song to Peaches, uh, Mario's love interest, called Peaches. And uh, there's a music video of Jack Black out there in Bowser dress up and uh, just singing the song. And it's absolutely hilarious. And Davey504 has done a cover, but it's on bass. And the thumbnail is simple. It's Davey504 dresses Bowser. I'll give a quick shout out to uh, Red Light Blues uh, video, the guitar hat theory, <laughs> where he's just asking the question, why do all great guitar players have hats? Uh, and the uh, <laughs> thumbnail definitely got me clicking on that one. What's that one called again? The guitar hat theory. The guitar hat theory. Like you've got your edge with their hat. You've got Slash with the hat. Like Jimi Hendrix had the hat. All the best guitar players just had hats. So. Here I am trying to figure out how to play through chord changes and all I need is a hat. Exactly. I'm going to get a hat. Well, you look like the edge if you have a hat. <laughs> For me, I just scrolled through a couple of our guitar app topics just to see the thumbnail that jumped out at me. And one that jumped out at me was 60 Cycle Hum, finding all the surf guitars at Nam, And it's a classic yeah. YouTube thumbnail. It's got a face with an expression on it. It's got a cool looking guitar, which is very surfy. And it's also got big, colorful writing in a surfy font. Oh, wow. Um, I'm looking at it now. That is a surfy font. Yeah. So I, I think, I think he's really nailed it with the, all the ingredients of a, of a thumbnail. So I'm, I'm not even into surf guitars and I wanted yep. to click on that thumbnail. Okay. That's all for this week. Links in the description. If you got any questions for us, leave them in the comments and we'll cover the world of YouTube again next week. Bye.